Yo, check this out. This is Chuck D. And keep it locked. You are tuned into the library. The Lies of Berry. With Tim Inico. Right here, right now. Rapstation.com. What's up, y'all? This is Tim Inico. And welcome to the library. Tonight, I have the great pleasure of interviewing rapper producer Ohenny Savant on his latest album, pronounced Ohenny Savant. This Philadelphian-born artist has an incredible story. As mentioned, he was born in Philadelphia but spent his adolescence in West Africa with his uncle, where he did what other typical teens did, i.e. play soccer, but spent the majority of his after-school hours at his uncle's side in front of the piano, hours mastering scores of classical and gospel music, the only two genres his uncle allowed in the house. During these years, O'Henny discovered and fell in love with the music that captured his generation back home in America, hip-hop. He began to teach himself hip-hop chords on the piano, unaware of sampling or synthesizing. As a teen, O'Henny just assumed hip-hop productions were done with live instruments. He began writing his own raps. Here's my interview with him. Take a listen to it and check out his album. Peace. What was it about hip hop that spoke to you um, when you you know when you were when you were a youth and and also do you remember the first song or album that you heard that you were like oh yeah this is it this is my joint um man can I remember the first song I I really don't know if I can remember a song you know you got to remember like coming up around that era um. That's hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, the the community was hip hop at that time. You know, um, some people I know would argue that their community today is hip hop, and it's possible. It could be a reflection of the hip hop of today. Um, but I'm talking about that era of hip hop. Um, and so, and that, and again, I don't think it's up for debate as to whether or not that era of hip hop is more watered down than this era's hip hop because. The corporations were heavily are heavily involved in the making of this, so they are guiding the direction of this. They're really dictating what goes down, as opposed to, you know, uh, when when they first came on, they had no idea what it was, and so they were like, you know what, what do you guys do, and how does it work? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, what is, what do, who should we be talking to, and who are the DJs, and who they had to ask because they didn't know what was going on. And when they first started to get involved, um, and there was already a culture that was, you know, that was thriving. So when I think about my childhood, yeah, I mean, I was coming up around that stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and that beginning era of hip hop, uh, where it was playing everywhere. So I mean, you know, there I don't know if there was ever one song that I heard that mm-hmm. was the first song because. You're hearing songs all the time. It could be a playlist, <laughs> what they would call it now, where it's just a bunch of songs playing back to back with no pause. Right. Because people loved it so much at the time, and you know, people were walking past with boom boxes and stuff like that. So, I mean, I can't say exactly what was a song, but what it was about it that got me. Um. I think it could be a mixture of things. Um, I've never, I'm glad you asked me this because I've never reflected on this myself as to what was it 
about the aesthetic or about the culture that's made me say, uh, come on in. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, I don't know. I think it was as natural. It's almost like, uh, because there was never an epitome moment. I mean, epiphany, sorry. An epiphany moment that said, uh, this is it. Like, you know, you're now coming into this. Um, the writing process was um, just a part of, we would joke around on the neighborhood and just rap back and forth with rhymes that we were making on the spot. Hmm. That was the first introduction to me rhyming. Um, Dr. Seuss was very popular at the time, you know what I'm saying? So there was this thing of rhyming, and it's like we just go back and forth with that. Um, and I think my official acceptance happened in Ghana. It was like, you know, okay, I'll accept that I'm an MC now hmm. because I was looking for a voice at some point. Um, and because I could put these rhymes together, it changed the dynamics of how people saw me. I was already quote unquote uh, special because I was from America and, you know, at the time they were watching movies and stuff in Africa about Americans and stuff. So it was like that dynamic. But when I actually opened my mouth and I had some raps to share, that really made it like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like this guy went from being, you know, and the only reason I did it was because a guy told me that I was from the States, so I should be able to rap. He's like, <laughs> you know, man, you, you know, like basically like, you know, if you come from America, how come you can't rap? You know, like as if that's just the normal thing. And so, I'm, so I took that as a challenge. Like, what do you mean I can't rap? And, we, you know, and, and basically I have to rep for the States now. <laughs> so I went back and I, and I wrote some stuff that was just based on the stuff we used to do on the block. And the way they fell in love with it, I said, man, like this is obviously um, something important to people. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know if there was a moment in my consciousness where I said, because I was very young. I mean, at the age of 12, you know, it's like, but whatever it was from that point on, I never stopped. I never stopped it. It didn't end. It's never stopped. There's never been a pause uh, from the very beginning. So whatever it is, it, it, it became an obsession, <laughs> you know? Actually, just for the audience, can you kind of explain the difference between uh, American hip-hop and uh, Half-Life or, uh, you know, hip-hop and Ga Ghana hip-hop? Uh, and which of your songs kind of best showcase the influence of half uh, hip-life in, uh, in your work? Um, <clears throat> if I think of, uh, first of all, you know, there was a whole cultural movement that I got to experience almost like while American hip hop had experienced their moment, I got to experience a moment and kind of see what the founders of hip hop experienced, you know, like when this new thing is kind of, you know, brewing and all over people are talking about this thing and there's a level of excitement that uh, is there and you know we don't have to say it no one has defined it it's there it's in the air and at that moment not even knowing as, as a you know kid that I'm a part of this thing 
and not knowing how important it was. Because every time I talk to someone from hip hop, that's the old, older, old school artists, the, the ones who, you know, started the, the movement, they say, man, I had no idea. Or if you watch interviews of, they'll, they'll all say, we had no idea, you know, that we were making this. Right. And now that's unfortunately how a lot of people end up getting robbed because they don't really, they don't see the value of it because they're in it. You know, so, yeah, I mean, when I think of hip life, you know, being in the studio, Eddie Blay, who is my mentor uh, at the time, and, you know, he's one of the finest and most prestigious rap vocalists, you know, I'd heard because he took it seriously. Everything from his addiction and his articulation when he rapped, he was about sounding a certain way and he meant it you know what I'm saying and he was very much about uh articulation and being articulate he was about um even his his stance when he stood and he rapped it was important to him that you know he had a certain look and a certain you know he was a short you know a short uh brother so his thing but he was a giant when he rapped you know what I'm saying like <laughs> He, you know, he owned the room. I, I saw him walk in the room with a bunch of uh, older cats. We were uh, in the same school at one point, and a bunch of the senior students were there, and we were supposed to do this performance together. And he walked in, and they were all talking, and he basically made a, he said silence. And, like, these are people that could have beat the heck out of us. <laughs> but he made them, like, zip with the quickness because he had – a presence to him, and that type of thing is something that you learn. It's like you know, it's important. All of those things are relevant to an artist. But yeah, to look at hip hip life, what it was then, a bunch of young cats, teenagers, and you know, young cats, and some elders, you know, played a role who owned studios and also gave advice. And but yeah, it's a cultural thing, and and it happened. Right under my nose. Um, and so the breakout artist became Reggie Rockstone, who at the time was like, my, you know, Michael Jackson in, in Ghana, man. Like, he, if he showed up, everybody's just going crazy because, you know, he was the one who defined it. It's like when Tupac says, I didn't create thug life, I diagnosed it. Like, he was the guy who said, this is his life. This is the direction we're going in. He came with the philosophy, and that's what made a difference. He defined the movement. We were all doing it. Uh, we were all a part of it, but he dropped an album that defined it. He he was, you know, a bit older than us, so he, he understood uh, certain things about it. Also, he was getting good advice, you know, I, I, you find from his father, who kind of was like, you know, you guys should really focus on Africa and start being about Africanism and not do an American version of African hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so he created a sound with which kind of sampled the, the local high-life music. He sampled it, and then he took the local dialect and he brought it in, and then it became a whole new thing. And at that point, he was redefining it. He had an album that was packaged, that they pushed, they promoted they changed the game, and to experience it, it was amazing. I mean, I, you know, those are people that I saw on a regular basis. 
um, or, you know, hung out in the studio with or, you know, and they became the Run DMCs and, you know what I'm saying, like they became the legends of that movement, which is crazy to me for me to see it. Uh, and I'm, I'm blessed to have been, you know, around it. That was Ohenny Savant, his latest album, pronounced Ohenny Savant. This is Tim Einenko with the library. Make sure to check me out on www.rapstation.com. March with me. Listen. Guess who's back in the building? Rapping chameleon, I rap for the children. In foreign lands where the hunger might kill them. I keep the plight of my folk hung on my ceiling. Sorry, I'm not here to make it rain. This dance is for Chad, I go there to make it rain. Cause people ain't jamming in the famine. They're just praying for the answers. Anderson is sandwich, I'm maybe getting televised. So we televised. Hoping we get help for life from the hell of strife. People talk about hell and the sobbing. For Japan, the hell was a tsunami. For the people of Haiti, it was an earthquake. September 11th, it was the World Trade. Pennsylvania, in the Pentagon's in the Times. Was it us or the Lord trying to send a sign that? It's an earthquake, run, it's an earthquake. Yes. See your homes and you know when the dirt shake. When the sky moves and you see the earthquake. Chaos arrived with our worst fate. It's an earthquake, everybody earthquake. Earth for the capital. Now we disrupted by Earth in the capital. Hurricanes left and right, it's not natural. Seas polluted, so we avoid eating mackerel. Congress's promises, then they act a fool. Taxing you as they move knowledge out of schools. How do you form believe in education? When we treat teachers like crap, look at their paychecks. Jobs don't pay more, now they pay less. Hustlers now ball out and pay less. Radio don't reflect my everyday stress. They stress how they bread as they bread. If not, then 24 hours a day sex. Meanwhile, some coastal workers at its apex. Depress, depress, whatever they press. But they could not predict the earthquake next. Yes. It's an earthquake, run. It's an earthquake. See your homes and your domes when the dirt shake. When the sky moves and you see the earthquake. Chaos arrives with our worst fate. It's an earthquake, everybody earthquake. See your worldly possessions for earth's sake. When the land cries out in the earth hates what we have done, it's done. Another yes, it earthquake. It's an earthquake, listen to the earth shake. We should never have been drilling in the first place. Should have listened to the Indians who first came. And now we look like idiots with aeroplanes. See the kids crying, we dismiss science. The sky was a place we used to the big Zion. Now it's pigs flying, cause us pigs flying. We used to try to save the earth, now we skip trying. Why pretend like we feel like recycling? When we just rather make bombs out of hydrogen. Rather just write raps by who we tighter than. People just want to dance. So we write for them. These times of protests and peace signs. We need jobs more now than Steve died. Please, God, forgive those who teach lies. The greed, crime, and envy must be why. It's an earthquake in the north side. In the south side, even more died. In the west, too, say it's not special. But it hit the east now, so we got stress, too. Meet me outside if you want to survive. When you leave, leave it all, even your pride. Let it die in that house and for your sake. Hope that it all gets destroyed in the earthquake. In the earthquake, 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 earthqu